The Crossman Conversation brought to you today by Community Legal Services, Maynard Cooper, Frontier Partners, and Roto Speaks. The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. The Crossman Conversation is hosted by John Crossman. John's heart is to see our community of leaders unite around what we have in common. John will be joined by political leaders, religious leaders, as well as activists making a difference in our nation. Here is your host for the Crossman Conversation, John Crossman. Hello, this is John Crossman, and welcome to the Crossman Conversation. Mike. Hey, buddy. Hey, man. Before we get started, I, got, I just tell you a quick story, okay? You ready okay. For this? All right, listen. Shoot. I want to tell you about my background, my early days in life, okay? And if you think, what kind of things describe John Crossman <laughs> as he was coming up as a young man? Well, first off, born and raised a Methodist. My dad was a Methodist minister, so I'm Methodist, right? Mm-hmm. And then in the early 80s, I found out about this thing called football, and I became a huge football fan. And if you combine those two things together, I was an SMU, Southern Methodist University football fan. If you remember back then, the Pony Express, right? Okay. Eric Dickerson, Craig James. Yeah, and my man. favorite was Michael Carter, who was a defensive lineman who played, you know, he had 22 sacks in the NFL. But before that, got a silver medal in the shot put. You know, I'm a track guy. And so then later in my life, I got into real estate. And then later in my life, I got into like civil rights advocacy work, right? So think about that. So what if I told you that our guest today is a Methodist, he's a football player, was play football at SMU, and now he's a real estate guy that does real estate, uh, civil rights advocacy. Can you believe that? You have the perfect guest. I can't believe it. That is our guest today, Richie Butler, who's the founder of Project Unity in Dallas, is our guest today. Richie, are you there? Yes, I am, John. Uh, good to be with you and Mike today. I am so excited because, like, you, you, you have lived my dream life. Like, I, like well, the life I wish I would have lived is Richie Butler's life, man. It's so cool. So do you mind telling us a little bit just about your time at SMU? Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Uh, I went to SMU. Unfortunately, I wasn't, I wasn't there during the, uh, the Dickerson-James era, the Tony Express. You know, uh, I actually came after when when we got the death penalty. So I literally uh, started the program over uh, in 1989. Uh, Forrest Gregg was my my head football coach. Oh, nice. He's the reason I ended up at SMU. You know, recruited me, came to my house. I never forget this. And he's sitting in my living room, and he takes his Super Bowl ring off, and you know gives it to me and I put it on my finger and I'm like, okay, where'd I sign? I mean, you know, what, <laughs> what does a 17 year old kid needs to, you know, see your experience. So, uh, but you know, it was the best choice. You know, I lost more games my freshman year at SMU than I did three years on varsity in high school. And three of those losses in high school were playoff games. So what you see losing, uh, but uh, I wouldn't trade the experience at SMU for anything in the world. So you had a, that was a wonderful, special time coming back. And then you, and then obviously being in Dallas now, that probably helps you out with uh, knowing Methodists and knowing SMU people in Dallas today, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And, and also, you know, I'm, still, I'm very active uh, with the university. I'm on the board of trustees. Uh, wow. So I'm a trustee and vice chair of the athletic committee. So I'm still actively engaged and involved in, you know, helping to, you know, you know, make decisions that uh, continue to improve and, you know, make university, and in particular, I love athletics, athletics, uh, you know, successful. That's what we want at SMU. Oh, that's awesome. So pony up, so pony up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's one of those, it's one of those universities um, that has great athletics and great academics. You know, not not every school has that, but, but SMU is known for both. And, 
man, I'm telling you, when Eric Dickerson was in his day, woo, he was one of the great ones. So you got you got legacy there on top of that, which is pretty awesome. Oh yeah, and we're excited because we're actually shaping you know new legacy and uh, you know football is back. Uh, and and I'll, I'll I'll say this: when other schools come come after your coach, means that you're doing something right. That's so right. We, you know, we I hated to see Sonny Dice leave, and you know, congrats on his success at TCU. But you know, he was definitely doing a great job at SMU, and it just points to the fact that we're headed in the right direction. For sure, for sure. So, uh, so you have that career, and then you move into having a real estate career, and then you're also a pastor. Which which of those came? I, I get confused. That's a lot. Which of those two things came first? Being a pastor, or being a real estate guy. Which one? <laughs> so. Uh, you know, I, I technically grew up Baptist, so uh, and became Methodist last uh, roughly eight years ago. But you know, in the Baptist church, it, uh, you sort of acknowledge your calling to ministry, which means that you go preach a sermon. If you can preach, you're a good orator. Then they they say, okay, you, you're good. You can go do that. And so I started preaching in college, and and also around at the same time is when I realized uh, the life. Uh, my interest in real estate because I'm from Austin, Texas, and grew up in East Austin, which is you know Austin's divided by East by I-35, the the freeway, and on the east side of 35 is where you know low-income community minorities, people of color reside. The west side is downtown, UT, and all the resources. And I wanted to go back and transform East Austin, and concluded did the research and realized real estate developers can do that. They take a piece of dirt, you know, uh, building and create things. And then biblically, I concluded that uh, Abraham was the first real estate developer, so God gave me permission. So that's really how I got on the, this parallel track of doing real estate and, and ministry. So, you know, unlike probably a lot of guys, you know, I sort of got into real estate not to, you know, make a fortune, but to make a difference. <laughs> we know what's interesting about you, Richie, and, and I want to say this about myself and your response, but, you know, uh, so I grew up a pastor's kid, and my dad um, especially was really turning churches around and did a lot of community activity, and you and I, community involvement, you and I have bonded over that. What's yeah. interesting is that I didn't figure this out until my 40s, but if you just asked me, not knowing my past, what's the kind of real estate that I'm attracted to? It's turnaround real estate. And when I really started broken down, I'm like, man, if you try to turn around a church or you try to turn around a real estate property, it's a very similar skill set, right? Yeah. Like yeah. It, when you find a church that's disconnected from its community, like it's like a museum, it's the same thing if you find a mall, you know, that's, you know, a thriving area and then the mall's disconnected. The reverse yeah. is true. You find some struggling, like small, not so a lot of money church, but if it's relevant to community, it's exploding. If you find a, somebody that's got a little you know, a uh, truck, you know, that's just selling some epinatas or something like that or barbecue, but it's quality. There's a line around the corner. Right. And so that's, that's right. I didn't figure that out until I was like, wow, the two things I do kind of connect. And is that same true for you as well? Oh, with, with, without a doubt. Uh, and, and I actually think for, for me, you know, the connection between real estate and, and church really speaks to my mission. My personal mission statement is that I think God has, God has called me to build people and build community. And so literally between the two, I, I've had the, the, the fortune of sort of daily living into my, my mission statement. So you're like this uh, Uber Dallas guy, and, and you're the SMU guy and former athlete, and you're doing real estate. 
and you're doing uh, pastor work, and then um, tragedy strikes in Dallas with the murder of some police officers. And, you know, some people see that and they just look at the TV set and they kind of yell or they have feelings in their heart and their mind and whatever. You, on the other hand, decided to do something about it. What? Tell me about that and how you sort of pushed into that the space that you're doing now. Yeah. Well, well um, so it, it actually had preempted the, the police officers in Dallas, but in 2014 when the country was reeling around uh, what was going on in Ferguson, Missouri with mm. Michael Brown and, and the unrest. I hosted a town hall meeting at our church, uh, had the chief of police, the sheriff, the DA, you know, all in the house, a full house of people, diverse group of people, but every negative emotion you, you, you know, don't want, you know, operating in a space was there, you know, hate, fear, anger, mistrust. Uh, it was, and it was just very weighty. And it was out of that moment uh, that, I had this vision for Project Unity and focus to focus on bridging divide. And, um, and and one of the interesting things is as Project Unity started to to evolve, I also realized, John, this is going to rock your world, man. Um, there is a theme to to my life and my story, and and unity is embedded in it all that because my first real estate development deal, the name of it was Unity Estates. Hmm. How about that? <laughs> and, and it was a it was a deal with a coalition of pastors um, in an area of Dallas that hadn't had new development in probably thirty years, and we bought four sales, single family, you know, entry level, so it wasn't subsidized anything, but entry level four sale housing into a community. Uh, and then the church I started four years after that deal was called uh, Union Cathedral. Wow! And then I merged. We merged Union Cathedral with St. Paul United Methodist Church in 2014, and then a month after we merged the two churches is when uh, I hosted that town hall and had the vision for Project Unity, and then we did the Year of Unity as a result of the police officers who were killed in Dallas, um, and then our Together We programming. So there is a theme uh, beyond free t- or that, that sort of weaves real estate preaching, you know, advocacy, uh, in my engagement in the community. And that's this notion of unity. That's really awesome, man. I, I, I hear all that and I think, man, you could have picked a different path. You know, you could have just said, Hey, I'm just going to focus on deals and no one would judge you. And you could have picked a path yeah. of like, I'm just going to do, you know, pastoral important stuff. And instead you decided to go down this road of like um, really potentially dangerous and, and exciting, but terrifying. And we need to take a quick break. Um, but when we come back, uh, I wanted to ask you more about that because I, I got to imagine you had some real uh, moments of, of challenge to get through that. So I want to talk a little more. So with that, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back uh, with Richie Butler and the Crossman Conversation. Community Legal Services is a civil legal aid organization providing no-cost legal help to the underserved. They call it Legal Aid for All. Their attorneys assist with legal issues related to family law, housing, domestic violence, veterans' benefits, and much more. Community Legal Services is a community-supported program. To learn more and help support the mission, visit clsmf.org. That's clsmf.org. Community Legal Services. Legal Aid for All. I'd like to thank Maynard Cooper and Gale PC for being a sponsor of our program. 
Maynard is a full-service law firm with over 350 attorneys and 14 offices nationally who serve with professional excellence in everything from corporate and business matters to day-to-day legal issues. The office in Central Florida focuses its practice in real estate, corporate transactions and organization, banking and finance, along with trust and estates. To learn more, visit MaynardCooper.com. Are you willing to serve communities in crisis around the world to people who are impoverished, oppressed, and persecuted? Frontier Partners International offers mission opportunities in areas least served to meet the needs of the helpless, hapless, and hopeless, and is currently serving earthquake survivors in Syria. Share the love and joy of Christ and give the gift of a hope-filled future to someone in desperate need. Learn more at FrontierPartners.org. That's FrontierPartners.org. Managing a team that has a lack of accountability and effective communication can be frustrating. Bill Roto-Rooter can help you build a cohesive team and a collaborative work environment. As a retired commander of the Navy's premier training system and research development organization, Roto has the experience to help you build trust and a high-performing team as you navigate high-pressure situations. To schedule a complimentary call with Roto, go to rotospeaks.com and complete the form and put the Crossman conversation in the message field. Once again, here is John Crossman. And we're back. Uh, This is John Crossman, the Crossman Conversation. And we're with my friend, somebody who I admire. um, And and if he'll he'll allow it, I want him to mentor me because I'm just so amazed by him. Richie Butler, who's the founder of Project Unity in Dallas, Texas. And Richie, you know, we're just talking about how you've had this really high level of success in your career. And yet you've been attracted to really pushing in and some really hard scary subjects i mean you've you've put yeah. yourself by choice in the front line in some rooms where people are, <laughs> are really mad um yeah talk to us about that i mean did, did you have times when you were scared or feeling fear or what am i doing here T- tell us about that you, you know you know john and i think you can appreciate this having um you know grown up in the house with a with a pastor and and probably even for yourself this sense of, of purpose you know, I, I actually just realized that I lean into, you know, my calling and, and purpose, and and I welcome the, the challenge. And I also think that, you know, I think we all have a sort of a gift or or, or some some bent that that you know that gives us an advantage. And and I think, you know, my my bent is, uh, I think I I can give people help people, I can. Be sense of, uh, I can soften, um, you know, make friends, build allies. You know, I, I have a smile and, you know, I can disarm. And, and I think, you know, we're talking about, you know, tough issues like race and, you know, you know, police, community relations. And, you know, you, you name some of the, the, you know, social challenges. I think you got to have, you know, the personality that that disarms people. Mm-hmm. And 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 sort of invites them in as opposed to repelling them from the conversation, and so I just I see it as an opportunity to meet people where they are, and to begin the journey with them in terms of and no matter where they are, begin that journey and to know that you know in this effort, if we're if we're all willing, there's no judgment, but really how do we collectively you know come together uh, to to solve some of our most challenging, 
challenging and daunting, you know, problems that are before us. Because, you know, I cannot do it in isolation, uh, neither can you. But I think collectively, and that's what Mother Teresa once said. She said, what I can do, you can't do. What you can do, I can't do. But together, you know, we can change the world. And that is my my attitude and my philosophy. And I'm just trying to get enough people at the table so we can truly change the world. You know, one of the things that jumps out to me about you is that you spoke at an event and I was in the audience and we had met over the phone and so that we never met physically. And so, you know, I'm such a fan. And, and when I, when I walked up to you, I, I hugged you and I hugged you in part because I just really wanted to hug you because I am so impressed by you and, and, and want to, want to be part of your world. The other thing was I really wanted that group of people who were really like kind of my people. Like there was a lot of people that were like in my sort of circle. I wanted yeah. them to see you and I hugging. I wanted them, you just got done giving a speech on a really tough subject. And so that was part of it. And when I think about you, you've done a lot of getting people in the room and they're opposing sides and you put your arm around one and you put your arm around another. And that's probably helped some people in the room exhale by saying, Hey man, yeah. I don't like that guy, but I like Richie and Richie's hugging that guy. And maybe that makes yeah. it feel a little better. <laughs> is that, is that accurate? Oh, I, I, I think it's so true. I mean, you, you know, this man, uh, Unfortunately, um, you know, sometimes we are um, we 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 need others to to help validate uh, us and 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 vice versa, and and that's why I always always tell people, you know, if if black people could have solved the issue of race, uh, we would have done it a long time ago. Right, and. And, and truth of the matter is, we cannot without our white brothers and sisters, you know, at at the table, um, walking alongside. And so I just, I, and that's part of, and what you just described in terms of that hug or that connection is relationship. And at the end of the end of the day, the only way we, you know, root it out is by being engaged in relationship with each other. And that's why we can, you know, hug like, you know, as brothers or brothers and sisters, because we're in relationship. And it's hard to demonize and to otherize someone you're in relationship with. That's right. You know, it's funny. I have a friend of mine who is a Holocaust survivor. And when I was talking with her one time about her experience, she says when people ask her, how did you survive the Holocaust? She tells them, good Germans. And the way she survived was Germans that Uh fed her, or look the yeah. other way when she was stealing food. Her name is uh, Mrs. Helen Greenspun. And so to your same point, like, you know, we tend to think in a, um, you know, like black and white world, like it's this, this is right or wrong. It's complicated, right? And so we got to find yeah. those spaces. So tell me this, um, help just for somebody who's hearing this, give us the, you know, one minute, what is Project Unity? So what what is it you're doing? Project Unity, we are simply focused on bridging divides. I always tell people, we are about finding solutions to some of our most troubling and challenging issues. Race is one of those. We, are, we, t- we take it on, you know, head first, but we do it in a manner uh, that envelops and tries to bring in uh, and create more allies and fewer adversaries uh, through, through education, through, um, you know, relationship, community building, um, dialogue. And and we have a series of, of programs called Together We, because again, I sincerely believe that you know what unites us is greater than what divides us, and we can do it together. Um, 
faster and 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 in a much better way collectively than we we can you know separate and apart and so that's really the, the focus of of what project unity is about we we are I classify it from a business perspective as a DEI solution for organizations, companies, um, through our through our Together We Die program, our Together We Can. Uh, we literally are hosting, you know, these different conversations and programs with corporations, uh, colleges, universities, high schools, um, you know, organizations, nonprofits, et, et cetera, and just getting people to engage because I sincerely believe that there are there are more goodwill people who want to see systemic change. They don't know where to begin. They're sort of in their silo doing their thing, but they do care. And so we just want to offer that entry point to help people along this journey and and recognizing and rather than calling people out for their for their for their bad behavior, I want to invite you in. Because if I call you out, I'm simply going to isolate you. And you'll just dig your heels in further, and there's no, and there's no way to create common ground. I'm trying to create common ground, even with those who have, you know, disparate uh, perspective on on matters. I just believe that, you know, as long as there is conversation, uh, there is hope. Uh, and so that's that's what Project Unity is about. And we're also focused on police community relations. And so we are, you know, uh, we literally have a a law in the state of Texas that requires all high school students to be trained on how to interact with law enforcement. And we're also doing some training with law enforcement on, on their interaction, you know, with, with community, again, trying to focus on how we bridge these, these divides between, you know, these, these groups that are, and, and you think about it in America, we have figured out how to monetize division. Uh, and we do a great job of it. I mean, their empires have been built, successful businesses have been built on, you know, keeping up the, the flames of division. And so I'm just trying to, you know, figure out how we not necessarily monetize, but we can monetize it. I think it, it will take us even further, but but how we, you know, be that force, that bridge that brings people together. That's awesome. And you're doing it. Uh, Mike, you know, he knows that uh, one of my favorite TV shows is The Office. And, you know, there's an episode, you know, you know, like we talked about The Office. Oh, I love that show. show. So, so there's an episode where, you know, uh, Michael Scott has aggravated the warehouse workers and the office workers, and he's trying to get them all together. And of course, most of the warehouses are black, most of them are white, a little mix there. And so he looks at the camera and he, he ordered everybody pizza. And he looks at the camera and he goes, Everybody loves people. Pizza. White people love pizza. Black people love pizza. And then he kind of pauses. He goes, Do black people like pizza? <laughs> but you know, at, at its heart, that's part of what you're doing is with his Together We Die. And so, Mike, just to tell yeah. you about this, so. You know, he he talks about what brings us together and, and things that bring us all together is music. Mike, you are a musician, mm -hmm. you know, uh, sports. You know, we all come together, you know, and they don't get him started on the Cowboys. And then we will be all day. <laughs> and then he, he talks about food. And so this event I went to that that was one of his together we dine. You sit down and, you know, you have a nice meal and everybody's really nice. And then everybody gets to you get a question and you don't know the question. They're all different. And then you answer the question and then no one's allowed to talk. You just answer and there's no judgment. And then you go around a second time, then people can then sort of talk about what was asked. And so like my question was, you know, do you feel comfortable talking about race in the workplace? And of course, Mike and I work in a very diverse place that is a beautiful, feels organic, very diverse, very Love lo it. loving, yes. loving environment. Yeah. And I was able to share that, share that story. And so, but you know, for others. And so he, he has created that environment. And then not only that, he's created there, he's actually taken to a bigger with law enforcement 
you know, some people have a nice, um, helpful parent that tells them how to do when you get pulled over. Some people don't. And of course we know that with people that doesn't go well, people can get hurt. And Mm -hmm. so I've heard uh, Richie say, we want, we want the, when the person gets pulled over to get home safe, and we want the law enforcement officer to come home safe, right? They're both, you know? Yeah. So Richie, we got to go in just, um, you know, one minute here. We got to wrap up, but I want to ask you one last thing, Richie, if I put together a group, of a bunch of white CEOs in a room and they're good, good guys, they're good people, not bad, but they're good people. And they just want to help. They really want to help. What, what's one thought you would say, Hey guys, you need to think about this. This is how you can help. What would that be in one thought? Actually, I'm just, funny you said that i i have a vision for what i'm calling a ceo collab lab Hmm. and that is to bring ceos together uh, around some of these issues to to put them in right radius because oftentimes ceos you know have sort of buffers between them and, and what's really going on so radius create relationships both internal and external to talk through and to you know confront these challenges and then understand that uh result that, you know, as we lean into some of these challenges, you know, how they can improve our bottom line uh, and also how we can have impact in the community. Well, I would I would advise CEOs to hear this, to reach out to Richie Butler and use him and Project as a resource. I recently was told by a guy, a black guy, that I'm a unicorn because I'm a white Republican that cares about black issues. And I'm, I don't want to be a unicorn. I want to be one of many horses that's out there working and doing good stuff. And that's happening because of, because of you, Richie, and people like you. So uh, truly, thank the Lord for Richie Butler and Project Unity and people who want to get involved. We'll put the information out there to learn more about what he's doing. So thank you, my brother, for being on the show. Thank you, John. Pleasure. All right. This has been John Crossman, The Crossman Conversation. And as always, support your local HBCU. This has been Crossman Conversation, produced by a Crossman Career Builders Mark Radio Production.